Hey everybody, this is Keith Loy. I'm the founding senior pastor of Celebrate Church in Sioux Falls, South Dakota, and this is our podcast. I just want to say thank you for joining us, and it is my prayer that this week's message will truly encourage you. Enjoy. Hello, Celebrate, and welcome as we continue our series, Growing Your Faith. This series, we've been walking through the book of James which is one of my favorite books in the Bible. In fact, so much to the point that our son's middle name was named after this book. That's how much we love it. So if you would, open up your Bibles to James chapter 2. We'll be reading from that here in just a moment. While you're opening up, let me ask you a question. Uh, Have any of you, when you were growing up as a kid, had anybody tell you, why don't you just grow up? Man, you just need to grow up. Any of you had that? I think we all have. In fact, some might be saying about me right now. Okay, that's all right. Well, the reality is this. God wants us to grow up. Grow up in maturity in him. And that's what this series is all about. And I'm incredibly humbled and honored that Pastor Keith has asked me to open up God's word with you today. Now, what we're going to talk about is treating people right. Treat people right. So James is going to teach us chapter 2. We're going to read the first 13 verses, and then we'll talk about what James teaches us. Here we go. I'll be reading out the New Living Translation. My dear brothers and sisters, how can you claim to have faith in our glorious Lord Jesus Christ if you favor some people over others? For example, suppose someone comes into your meeting dressed in fancy clothes and expensive jewelry and another comes in who is poor and dressed in dirty clothes. If you give special attention and a good seat to the rich person, but you say to the poor one, You can stand over there or or else sit on this floor. Well, doesn't this discrimination show that your judgments are guided by evil motives? Listen to me, dear brothers and sisters. Hasn't God chosen the poor in this world to be rich in faith? Aren't they the ones who will inherit the kingdom he promised to those who love him? But you dishonor the poor. Isn't it the rich who oppress you and drag you into court? Aren't they the ones who slander Jesus Christ, whose noble name you bear? Yes, indeed, it's good when you obey the royal law as found in the scriptures. Love your neighbor as yourself. Key verse here. But if you favor some people over others, you are committing a sin. Did you catch that? But if you favor some people over others, you're committing a sin. You are guilty of breaking the law. Verse 10. For the person who keeps all the laws except one is as guilty as a person who has broken all of God's laws. For the same God who said, you must not commit adultery, also said, you must not commit murder. So if you murder someone but do not commit adultery, you still have broken the law. So whatever you say or whatever you do, remember that you will be judged by the law that sets you free. There will be no mercy for those who have not shown mercy to others. But if you have been merciful, God will be merciful when he judges you. Wow. Treat people right. You know, one of our great joys in life is other people. It absolutely is. The greatest problem in life is working alongside and dealing with those people. Man, sometimes it doesn't play well. There's a quote that I love how it says, to dwell above with those you love, well, that will be a glory. But to dwell below with those you know, well, that's another story. It really is. Did you catch how James starts off this whole passage? In a different version, he reads it this way. My brothers, as believers in our glorious Lord Jesus Christ, don't show favoritism. 
What James is talking about here is prejudices, partialities, special treatment. The, the New English version calls it snobbery. That's the actual word they use for it, a snob. And man, we have too many snobs in the church. A definition of a snob that I like is a person whose nose is up while their eyes are looking down on you. And James says this, he says, don't do that. Don't ever treat anybody in a different way because of their appearance. Now let's talk about how that can flesh itself out and what that can look like and, and what are some areas that we find ourselves doing this in. Here's one area, pretty obvious, by way of appearance. How people look. I mean, let's be honest, appearance is a big thing in our world today. I mean, image, how you look, and billions of dollars are spent in marketing trying to get us to look a certain way or in a certain image. You know, some years back, researchers did a study where they took hitchhikers, okay, or people posed as hitchhikers, I should say, and they put them at different points along a same road, only they dressed them differently. You know what they found? People who were dressed better, guess what? Got picked up. The others... Not. And it's interesting because we find that in judging people, well, that's not me, but the reality is, it probably is, all of us. And if we ask, how do you judge people? For example, if there's someone that has maybe piercings, body piercings or body markings, do we judge that person in a certain way or, or put images in our mind? Maybe it's by the shape or size of their body we judge. You know, uh, last Friday night, our family went out to Wildwater West, and there are bodies of every shape and size out there. And I had to use a men's room, and I said, so I, I noticed this guy that, I mean, holy cow, he was ripped. I mean, incredibly, even the small muscles defined, I mean, chiseled. I was crazy. And then I realized I was looking in the mirror. I was looking at myself. I, I was so embarrassed. I was so embarrassed. Oh, man. But the reality is this, there's all different shapes and sizes. Do we judge simply by looking at that way? Or maybe if we see a younger guy, and let's say he has really long hair and a long beard, do we go up and say, Jesus saves and he shaves? I mean, do we say that? I mean, do we judge? You know what I think? I think appearance is one of the things that we should never judge people on. And here's the reason why, not only because the Bible says so, but for this reason. Do y'all remember how you looked when you were young and some of the clothes you wore? And some of the pictures, you know what I mean? Oh man, I'll give you an example. My engagement picture to my wife, 42 years ago, I was wearing a leisure suit, light brown with palm trees that were stitched here, here, and in the back. I mean, yeah, it was bad. I can't believe I even wore that. So you don't judge people by their parents, but that's one of the ways that we do. Here's another one, by way of ancestry. In other words, we judge people according to their race, their nationality, their dialect, their background. Can I encourage you, if you haven't watched Pastor Keith's message from June 7, where he talks about discrimination, do so. It, it, it is very good. You know, there's a story of a black man who some years back down in the South wanted to go into a church, but the church was full of bigots and they wouldn't let him in. So he went to talk to the pastor about it. And the pastor said, well, I think you just need to talk to God about it. Well, a few weeks passed and they saw each other in the street and the pastor asked the man, he said, well, have you been talking to God about it? And the black man said, uh, yes, I have. And God told me not to worry about it because he's been trying to get in your church for 20 years and he still hasn't gotten in. So, but unfortunately, that's true. It's a way that we judge people by appearance. 
by ancestry. Another one is by age. Sometimes we look at someone, maybe it's a child, and we say, oh, they're just a kid. What, what, what could they do? You know what? Timothy might have felt that way, and that's why Paul had to write him in 1 Timothy. He says this, don't let anyone look down on you because you're young, but set an example for the believers in speech, in conduct, in love, in faith, and in purity. People do look down on kids. Sometimes they say, well, what, what could they do? The Brawny Paper Towel Company has put something together called, they are Brawny Giants. These are people who are doing some great things during this time of this pandemic. They've just recently recognized Kavanaugh Bell, a seven-year-old boy from Maryland. What did he do? First grader. He took all of his savings, $600, and he put together coronavirus care packages for seniors and started delivering them. So many people were inspired by it that they actually formed a nonprofit in honor of him that now has a full pantry that is servicing 5,000 people each week in Maryland from a seven-year-old boy, which says you don't have to be big to be a giant. You know, we also sometimes maybe go to the opposite. And while we maybe look down on young people when they get old, we can do the same thing. Well, they're just too old now. And, and they, have, they don't have that much value anymore. And if you don't think that that happens today, just walk up and down a nursing home hallway and realize how few of those people ever get visited on any kind of a regular basis. It happens. So by way of age. Any, any of those strike you so far that you see? These are common occurrences um, in everyone's daily life. Uh, I deal with sales. So um, you're trying to capture what someone might need. And in a sense, sales, the initial point of it is you're prejudging somebody to figure out what would best suit them or if something would suit them. So that is something that is heavily done, but it's starting to, it's being turned on its head because things are not always as they seem. And so people, sometimes have bad experiences prejudging because that person or potential client might not be who they, you know, the, the, they're, they're not made up the way that they think that they are. So they might have more earning power than they assume. They might be, everything just might be in different boxes. So we have to make sure um, to, 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 to not get into any errors, you have to make sure that you're qualifying someone properly. For uh, appearance, well, both appearance and age, I can relate, because a few years ago, um, I walked into a church, um, and I normally color my hair something crazy, like red, or, you know, one year, I think I did all black, and then do it gray and stuff like that. And um, anyway, that year, I think it was a blue and reddish color on top. And I had a leather jacket on and I walked into a church and um, the one of the greeters was like, oh, um, is this your first time? Do you, and asked me if I even had been saved before, but just because I had hair color. Um, and then I've also been told when I've walked into a church, um, they've said, oh, well, the, the youth and kids department is down here, and I'm like, I'm, I'm 30. <laughs> Here, here's a couple more 
that we tend to go by. Sometimes it's by the way of achievement. You know, our society gushes over winners and disregards losers. It can be a, a hero if one minute and stand on the top of the stage and you can be a zero the next minute because of something that, that you've done. It's interesting, some years back, I had a great friend of mine who was very, very successful financially and in their profession. And because of that, lived in a beautiful home, but had many, many friends, many friends who always wanted to spend time with this individual and so forth and so forth. Well, he made a mistake. And because of that, he went to prison for a period of time. I thought it was very interesting because he had a lot of friends. Do you know how many visited him when he was in prison? Me. I was the only one who visited him in prison. Now, that's not to put on me, but I went, where are all these other people that were his buddies that hung out and wanted to always be around him and use his stuff? Because the minute that he fell, they wanted nothing to do with him or even acknowledge that they knew him at all. It happens in life. The fact is, we, we ton, tend to lump success and status. And I'll be honest with you, one of the things that concerns me about Christianity as a whole is how we sometimes put people on a pedestal in a popularity kind of thing. That's not right. But the last one is by way of affluence. Affluence. Let me ask you, do, do the people that, that you hang around with, if you, had, if you knew somebody who made a lot more money than you, do you think of them any differently? Or let's put it this way, if they made a lot less money than you, do you think of them any differently? Or, for example, if, if you're at a certain level, do you have people that you hang around with on a regular basis that are very poor? Do we do that? A uh, mentor that I had for part of my life who's now in heaven, one of the things that impressed me so much about him, and he was very successful, but one of the things that I was so impressed with that if you put a room full of people in, in a room with him, and let's say half of them were multimillionaires and the other half were broke financially, you would never tell who was who by the way he treated them and by the way he interacted. And I think it was interesting that when he passed away, 6,000 people viewed his funeral. That's how many lives he had impacted because he treated everybody in the same way. Here's what James 2.2 says in a different verse. It says, suppose a man comes into your meeting wearing gold rings and fine clothes and a poor man in shabby clothes also comes in. If you show special attention to the man wearing fine clothes and you say, here's a good seat for you, but you say to the poor man, you stand over there or sit on the floor at my feet. Have you not discriminated among yourselves and become judges with evil thoughts? How about the rest of you? Any thought of how you see this play out in the world or even in yourself today, any of these at all? We so often value people based on what we can see, the things that we can see on the outside versus what's underneath that. So we. Uh, value based on how we can perceive and so often our perceptions are wrong like we've talked about and so when we see these things um, we're thinking that's reality and the problem is if we trust that there's some hubris in that there's some pride in that if we're not humble enough to think man maybe what I see isn't what's reality then we can get ourselves in trouble oh gosh I remember two occasions specifically <clears throat> um, and one involved Pastor Keith uh, Sherry and I were actually at a, um, a Nebraska football game and we were sitting uh, a little bit higher up in the stands. Um, and I noticed a gentleman sitting a few rows down who had um, oh, a few tattoos and had the, uh, just a different look of like, um, uh, what was it, a bandana, something or other. And Sherry and I, I mentioned that to her, oh gosh, I just, the perception I had in my mind was so not. And all of a sudden I see Pastor Keith and I walked down to him and I said, Hey, Pastor Keith, I haven't seen you forever. How you been doing? You know, because it had been a while. This is probably 15 years ago. So 
um, he said, doing great, doing great. And he said, I want you to meet some of the people on my staff. And so <laughs> come to me, that gentleman right there was, was on his staff. And I'm like, oh my goodness, Keith, I, I got to tell you, I feel so terrible because I, not that I had bad thoughts, but not the thoughts that it should be, you know? And, and then the other occasion was, um, uh, and, and I think it's probably why I don't share much sometimes anymore because I've stuck my foot in my mouth, but uh, a gal, who I knew in my hometown. Um, I was at my workplace and um, I just noticed her and, and I thought, oh gosh, she looks like she's expecting. And so I said, gosh, uh, when are you due? And she said, I'm not pregnant. Uh, I mean, there, there's nowhere you can go. You cannot hide from that. I, I said, I am so sorry. So I think now I just... I just bypass a lot of things when I see it until I hear or know for sure what the truth is because our tongue gets us in trouble. As you're speaking of that, that's just a manifestation of our thoughts. So when it comes down to it, we all have thoughts that just pop up in our heads. And so um, you're talking about the differences in people. We all have differences. We're all unique. Um, I understand that women get treated or slighted in different ways just because we assume that they don't know certain things. And that is not true, but yet it's just something that is very prevalent. So that's a bias. And sometimes that occurs in my life too because I'm obviously um, of a different color um, than some people. So they look at me, well, he's dark, so he's um, black, and maybe there is a, a judgment to that. And so um, I wish that people didn't do that all the time. It happens at times. And so we just have to consciously change that and push it forward. Well, James says three things that we should understand about this type of treatment, the things we just talked about. The first, it's unchristian. It's simply unchristian. This alone should change us because if you want to be like Jesus, you cannot play favorites. Faith and favoritism do not go together. They're incompatible. Romans 2.11 says this, God does not show favoritism. Now, we don't like to hear this, I don't like to hear this, but God needs us to hear this, and it's simply this. However we treat people is how God will treat us. However we judge people, God will judge us. Whatever we do is what we will get back. Jesus himself said it, Matthew 7. For you will be treated as you treat others. The standard you use in judging is the standard by which you will be judged. Boy, that is pretty clear. In fact, Jesus, in the Lord's Prayer, what does he say? Forgive us our trespasses and what? As we forgive those who trespass against it. That is the measure of it. And so it is absolutely unchristian. Pastor Keith says this all the time, and, and he's simply quoting the Bible, that if you don't love and forgive others, you're not a follower of Jesus. You can't be that way. It's unchristian. Here's a second thing that James would say. It's unreasonable. It's unreasonable. If I think that I'm better than someone else because I have something that they don't, that's unreasonable because here's what I understand. There's only one thing that I deserve. You know what I mean? Separation from God forever. That is the only thing I deserve. Everything else is a gift. This breath is a gift. 
I mean, my family's a gift. These clothes are, everything else is a gift. And so none of it's mine because I'm not going to take it with me anyway. It's interesting that half of the world's population lives on $165 a month or less. Think about that. People spend more on fireworks than these people make in a month. And so if I gauge, well, I must be because they are. No, not all. James 2 says it this way. Has not God chosen the poor to be rich in faith and inherit the kingdom? Now, what James is not saying is it's, it's good to be poor. He's not saying that or it's bad to be rich. He's not saying that. And he's not saying that only the poor will be saved, but saying that wealth in and of itself does not deserve any special attention at all. See, your value is not based on your valuables. And there's a difference between your net worth and your self-worth. We understand that. In fact, I'd put it in layman's term. Whether you have a $10 watch that you can see or $10,000 Rolex that you want others to see, <laughs> either way, it still tells time, okay? And it does not make you any better than anybody else. It's unreasonable. Here's the third. It's unloving. It's unloving. First John 4 says it this way, for a man says he loves God and hates his brother, he lies. How can you love God whom you haven't seen if you don't love your brother whom you have seen? There's a, there's a little poem, but I'm afraid that too many of us are like this. It says this, Paul's girl is rich and haughty. My girl is poor as clay. Paul's girl is young and pretty. Mine looks like a bale of hay. Paul's girl is smart and clever. My girl is dumb but good. Would I trade my girl for Paul's? You bet your life I would. <laughs> and that's unfortunately what a lot of people do. They constantly go by judging people about value. In fact, I think this, that we a lot of times judge people by the value or benefit they can bring me. So if they can't bring me value, then I don't value them. Does that make sense? That's how we do it. It says this in James 2, if you show favoritism, you sin and are convicted by the law as lawbreakers. For whoever keeps the whole law yet stumbles at just one point is guilty of breaking them all. When you see how people treat each other, especially how maybe some Christians treat each other, unchristian, unreasonable, unloving, what things go through your mind? When people see us, if we claim to be, to be a Christian and they see us treating someone that not so Christian, then why would they want to be that? So I think we push away a lot of people if we're showing that we're not being Christian. So we need to let our walk be the same as what we talk about. I would say that God is love and love is unconditional. So when we are showing God's love to others, there should be no conditions to that love. We should just be giving them love. Um, it does not mean we support everything that people do if they do wrong, but it also means that we have to actively show them God's love. Absolutely. One of the things we talk about here at Celebrate quite often is being like Christ, seeing people, having compassion on people, and then meeting their needs. That's, that's what Jesus did. That's what he showed when you see in the Word and, you, and you're reading those things. It, it demonstrates to us how we should live our lives, no matter who it is that we see or come across. Um, the Good Samaritan story is, is one like that as well. 
where it, it doesn't matter who they are, if they have a need or a hurting, you try to meet that need. It's very simple. Let's ask a question then. So how do you treat people right? Okay, we're gonna look at three things that we can do in treating people right. Here's the first one. Accept everybody. Accept who? Everybody. everybody, absolutely. Romans 15 says it this way. Accept one another just as Christ has accepted you. See, the church is a hospital for sinners, not a hotel for saints. So if you're perfect, uh, you don't belong here. <laughs> That's for sure. Because this is a church where people are growing, not going, and we love that. You know, one of the characteristics of the early Christians is that they accepted everybody. It's really what set them apart. I mean, think about this. What kind of a person would care for a leper? A follower of Jesus would. What kind of a person would give dignity to women or children who in that time were not people given dignity? You know who would? A follower of Jesus. What kind of person would accept everybody no matter what color, race, language, economic status, anything? A follower of Jesus would. That's what set them apart. You know, we've heard the phrase, comparison is the root of all unhappiness. Y'all heard that one? And it really is true. But here's the problem. We compare ourselves with everybody, but we compare everybody against us. For example, what's the definition of speeding in a car? Anybody who's going faster than me. I can be going five miles over, but if somebody goes 10 miles faster than I am, they're speeding because I gauge it according to me. And, you know, we do that all the time. You know, and, and sometimes when I don't accept others, what I find is this, I'm using myself as the measuring stick. Does that make sense? It's kind of almost like, okay, God created everybody and said, this is very good. And then he created Reed and he said, that's what I wanted to do in the first place, right there. I mean, that's how we have our thoughts about things. You know, every person is a creation of God. And would you agree with me that God doesn't make mistakes? Absolutely, God doesn't make any mistakes. But if you and I don't accept others, you know what we're doing? We're telling God, he made a mistake. On this one, you made a mistake. No, that is not the case. Maybe for some, it starts by accepting yourself because you think you're the mistake. I would also add one more thing. that Accepting everybody doesn't mean that you relate to everybody because we all have different personalities. We have different interests different things that we're intrigued by. And so you might relate to somebody a little bit more. Relating to them and accepting them are two different things. Make sense? That's why many of what you said, we can be different on this side of topics or issues or politics or whatever the case may be, but we can still accept each other and have a relationship. That, that's important. What goes to your mind when we talk about that? I think about my freshman year of college. <laughs> when I met a friend, a very good friend now, but um, off of the first glance, when I first met her, I would say there was a lot of things that I wouldn't have, like, I don't think if we would have just met on the street, we would have continued this friendship, but as I spent more time with her and got to know her past the, the things that I saw that I didn't think we related with, but then we have this now deeper spiritual friendship that we can grow in Christ together. And if I wouldn't have accepted her and like, um, as God calls us to be friends with everybody and treats everyone nicely, like I 
don't think I would have had that friendship if not for that. In all our learning, we need to get an understanding. To me, perspective is everything. So we don't always have the perspective of other people. We only have our own perspective. So we have to love first in order to bridge the gap. And then as you love, you start learning that person's perspective. And that's when you start to have a deeper understanding of what someone is going through or their value of life. Because what might be important to some might not be important to others. Some people don't love money as much. So to them, it's just dross. Um, so you have to look at things in terms of perspective. And we don't always have every different other people's perspective. You know, we just read it, accept others as Christ has accepted us. So whether I want to or not, differences or not, I accept everybody. Here's the second thing on how do we treat people right. We appreciate everybody. How many do we appreciate? Everybody. everybody. Here's what Philippians 2 says. Do nothing from selfish ambition or vain conceit, but in humility consider others better than yourself. Each of you should look not only to your own interest, but also to the interest of others. Let me give you a scenario. Let's say that there were three gifts on the table. Okay, let's say that one was a, a gift box, a gift a bag, and I mean, gorgeous, really done very, very nicely, okay? Let's say another one was a box and just had basically newspaper wrap. Let's say the other one was just a paper sack rolled up, crumpled up paper sack. You can pick one of the three. Which one do you want to pick? Well, most people would go for the fancy one. Yeah. Because they think there's the better thing that's in there. Exactly. What's a question you want to ask yourself? What's in there? <laughs> What's in it? Absolutely. So if I said that within the beautiful gift wrap box or the, the gift bag were two $5 gift certificates and in the garbage bag or the uh, grocery bag was a check for $1 million. Do you still want looks, what looks nice on the outside? No. We understand it's what's on the inside that matters because what happens, you're going to keep what's on the inside. You're going to throw the rest away anyway. And that's why all the stuff on the outside is going to go away anyway. It's what's on the inside of people that is the key. See, everybody is priceless because they're made in the image of God and we need to appreciate everybody. How do you appreciate people? How about saying thank you? That's the way to appreciate them. How about smiling, giving a smile? You're great at that. Complimenting people, is that a way of appreciating people? Absolutely. It was interesting, a couple weeks ago, I went into a store and it's a smaller store, but nobody was there. So it was just the person who was uh, the employee there. So we just had a great conversation, never met him before, and we're just talking and got to know just a little bit of story and just had a great conversation, but really appreciate it. This past week, I called him up and I said, hey, I just wanted to let you know, I was in a couple weeks ago, and I just wanted to say thank you for the way you treated me. And how much I just really enjoyed our conversation, and uh, I, I just appreciated that, you, you know, your mannerisms with me. I just want to say thank you for that. And there was this pause. And I said, I hope you hear that often. He said, that's the first time I've ever heard it. I said, whoa. I said, okay, well, 
I'll make sure it's not the last, okay? Because I'll stop in again. And before I hung up, he said, listen, he said, I just want to say thank you for that. That made my entire month. I appreciate you saying that. I mean, those few words was something he had not ever really had that much before. You know, one of the things that we can appreciate in people is their difference to us. You mentioned that, Bridget. I mean, how many of you that are married are married to somebody that's opposite of you? Oh, man, a living. That's what usually happens in marriage. They do. But over time, that's what I appreciate about the other person because they bring me such a different perspective on things I would have never had before. You know, if you're around Pastor Keith, he'll tell you about some of the people that he spends time with and mentors are totally opposite than him. But it gives him such great understanding on viewpoints that, well, I would have never thought of before. It helps me to grow. Think about this. Can, can we learn from anybody? Absolutely. Let me ask you, what can we learn from a child? What would you say? Honesty. Yeah. Out of fun in any situation. Yeah. What can we learn from somebody that has a developmental disability? They, they enjoy the small things. They love unconditionally. What can you learn from a person who's quite old? What can you learn? Wisdom. Absolutely. We can learn something from everybody, so we need to appreciate everybody. It's the right way to live. Here's the third thing that we can do. We can affirm everybody. Affirm how many? Everybody. First Thessalonians 5 says it this way. Encourage one another and build each other up. I love that one. Man, when people stumble, don't criticize, don't sympathize. Be an encourager. Be an encourager of them. John Maxwell is a famous author, and in different things that he's done, he always says this. He says, imagine when you meet somebody that they have a number printed on their forehead, and the number is 10. And on a scale of 1 to 10, they're a 10. How would you treat that person? Hopefully different than you would if you put a number on them and the number was 2 or 3, because we judge them. But in reality, what number does God put on everybody? Ten. 11, 12, 13. Make sense? That's how we should treat everybody. There's a, there's a book that's been out for a number of years called Balcony People. I don't know if you've ever heard of it at all. Balcony People, and what it does, it shows the difference between two types of people, balcony people and basement people. Balcony people are people who are always cheering, always applauding, always encouraging, that you can do it. Yes, you can. Guess what basement people do? They always pull people down. Negative. Always tear things down. Want to bring them down to another level. The challenge in life is, man, to affirm everybody, be a balcony person for everybody you know. One of the things that we do as a family is we take a family vacation every year. And so on the last night of our family vacation, it's tradition for us, we have an affirmation time where we will go around and talk, everybody goes around and shares kind of maybe what some of their goals are for the year. And then we all speak into them things that we affirm about them, things that we love about them, and that we pray over them. Well, a year ago, our grandson Ethan, who was six at that time, we invited him into that circle. So he's listening kind of thing. And so we come to Ethan, okay, it's your turn, and who would you like to start? And he looks at me, he says, Papa, I want you to start and I want you to tell me how funny I am. And then Nana, I want you to go next. I want you to tell me how, how much I, and, and he went by every person and he told us what he wanted us to tell about him. <laughs> I thought it was just, just precious, you know? But that's how much people want to be affirmed. Every person wants to be affirmed. 
that they are a person of value. And that's something that we can do in treating people right. You know, these things don't happen by accident. It requires discipline. It requires attention, intention as well. But to do that, to be able to accept them, appreciate them, and affirm. What, what are some things you think about when you think about people appreciating people, affirming people? What things go through your mind? One of the biggest lessons I ever learned was watching my dad. He always had this goal in his life. He said, if somebody drives me nuts, I'm going to make it my goal to make him my best friend. And he would go and he would find something he could appreciate about him, something he could affirm, affirm about him, and just pour into him and make him his friend. He said, Even if I don't like him, I'm going to find something to like. And I'll tell you what, that was one of the biggest lessons for me that I've found in those moments when uh, maybe there's someone that is different than me or, or at first glance maybe isn't the type of person I want to hang out with or just someone who drives me nuts. Man, what are those things I can appreciate and affirm and value in them? And it changes my perspective of how I see them. I'm always trying to be consistent. It, like you said, it, it comes with intentionality and purpose. Not, not to do it just over the top, so I'm always trying to remember those people on my different serving teams that I have here within the church. And so I'm always trying to text or send an email of affirmation, just letting them know, appreciate their time, the work they put in, the things they do to love people like Jesus did. Um, and so it's great to get that confirmation from someone and say, oh, thank you very much. I, I appreciate your saying that um, about me or what I've done. Um, it doesn't take a lot. It really doesn't. But what it does is really build someone up. I had a coach that before every meet, he would write us a letter of, a, of affirmation, um, reminding us how much we've trained and how awesome of a person we are and like he knew characteristics of ourselves. And I went to a Christian college, so luckily he was able to kind of put, you know, like your blessing and, and Christian verses. And like that was a huge like milestone and like impact in my life that and, and marrying into his family, they're really big with words of affirmation. I've learned a lot how just a simple thank you or a letter or a text is very important because my family just show it through hugs and kisses. <laughs> That's a little different, but how important those words are to people. Have, have any of you gotten different cards from people that are those types of cards or things and you've kept them? We all have. In fact, it'd be interesting for us to pull them out because there's times in my life that do I read them on a regular basis? No, but I'll tell you this, I do go back on them at different points in time. If I enter a time that I'm really discouraged, I'm really disappointed, I feel like maybe I'm just, man, I'm not, not doing things right, I'll pull those out. And they have been a tremendous sense of joy for me as well. You know, there's two kinds of pillars in the church. One is one that holds the church up. The other is a caterpillar that walks in and out real easily. We want to be the pillar that holds the church up. See, we need to treat all people right. We need to treat everybody. What do we do? We accept them. We appreciate them. We affirm them. Here's what I believe, church. When God's people really do that, they treat every person as a 10. God doesn't make mistakes. We don't judge according to any of the things we talked about. We openly love people. We might be different than them, but we love them. We care about them. When we do that, God says, that's the kind of church I will put my hand upon. That's the kind of church I will bless. That's the church I will pour my spirit in and I will use to reach thousands because they love the way I love. They accept the way I accept. Friends, that's what we need to be. That's who we're called to be. As we said at the beginning, that's how God will treat us the same way we treat others. Let's treat 
people right. Let me pray for us. Father God, thank you that your word is so applicable to every aspect of our lives. And God, even for me, when I, when I walk through this, Lord, I'm sorry. I realize that it's so easy for me to judge people, look at the outside, look at their position, look at their economics, look at whatever the case may be, and to judge something by the outside. God, I'm sorry for that. God, help me to look at every person the way you look at them from the inside out, someone of great worth, someone of great value, someone that I can learn from. God, that I would treat everybody as a 10 because they're made in the image of you. God, that I would appreciate everybody. God, that I would accept everybody, that I would affirm everybody. In doing so, that they would come to know who you are because they're loved unconditionally by me. And in that way, they can know a God who loves them unconditionally as well. So help us to be that kind of person today, tomorrow, and every day as that you get this life here on earth. We thank you for it. We ask this in your name. Amen. Well, thanks again for listening. To hear more messages like this one, make sure to subscribe and check out our podcast channel for past messages. And if you like what you're hearing, consider rating it and even sharing it with your friends. It helps so much. You know, you can click the share button, take a screenshot and share it on your social stories and tag us at Celebrate Church. For more content from Celebrate and to connect with us, go to celebrate.church. We love you and we believe in you. God bless. God bless.